Exploration. EX. Explain away. Ah, exploration. An act or instance of exploring. Well, okay, that makes sense. Uh, explore. To travel over new territory for adventure or discovery. To examine, especially for diagnostic purposes. To make or conduct a systematic search. Hmm. It doesn't mention video games at all. Well, it's a good thing you're listening to the VG Thought Commune Podcast, Episode 4. Hello, and welcome back for the uh, fourth Commune Podcast. Uh, this week, we are only doing Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse. Uh, no more Master of Darkness. He's, he's left the building. Uh, so, with me this week, I have four esteemed guests. Uh, when I call on you, please hit your buzzer so that we know what it sounds like. Uh, Fox? <coughs> and <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing well. Alright, good to hear. Uh, Shouty, please uh, tell us what your buzzer is. <laughs> oh my god. I, my, uh, <clears throat> my ears are bleeding, that but how are you? Questions. How are you doing, Shouty? That, that, that answered that question. Uh, that buzzer sound. Okay. Um, thank you. <laughs> Wario why, why fan, is your buzzer any quieter? Zoop, 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 zoop. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing fine. All right, glad to hear. And uh, last but not least, Sanrio, uh, do you have your buzzer? <laughs> How are you doing? Fine. All right, looks like everybody's doing uh, non-committal. Nobody's doing bad. Uh, so, for the past week, I assume people have been playing things other than Magical Quest, uh, so, Shouty, why don't you tell us what you've been playing? Um, I'm playing two games. Uh, the first I got a 50% discount, uh, is Sticker Star. And, that was, um... That was on sale? Yeah. In Best Buy and, uh, at Amazon. Okay. But, um, eh, it's pretty much exactly what I was expecting. Like, you know, the story is as lacking as everyone says. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'm finding it to be a, a weird challenge. Because I don't feel like I've ever adjusted to the, like, exactly what to do in battle. Like, how to manage what sticker to use? It, kind of. Like, I don't know, it's just, I feel like I have the wrong stickers at the time in battle. Uh. So I wanted to, uh... Beat the battle without taking damage. That yeah. Um, there's a lot of times where you can't do. Uh, you're just not able to do a perfect battle. Mm-hmm. I'm always used to doing perfect battles in other Paper Mario games. Okay. <laughs> I, um, in other Paper Mario games, is that like? Do you need badges for that? Yeah, pretty much. I uh, I I never got into perfect battles. So I just appreciated the, like, live by the seat of your pants. Uh, you know, I get into a battle and I don't know what I'm going to be able to use. And that was pretty exciting, I thought. I guess lots of don't you appreciate that. The other game I've been playing is Anodyne, which is an indie game. Oh, that's right. 
Um, it's like a Zelda game, but there are some twists. And the name Anodyne means uh, something that's inoffensive, and I think that uh, references the main character's weapon of choice. Oh, that's right. It's a uh, broom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, are there dungeons in that game? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then, uh, then, then I'll have that's to try it. Is that all? Yeah. Wario fan, uh, what have you been up to? I've been, uh, I've been playing Spyro 3. Ooh. It's, uh, that's a uh, PlayStation, right? PlayStation the first, yes. Yes. That's one of the good ones. <laughs> good Spyros or good PlayStations? Well, both. <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah, what do you think of it so far? Oh, um, I I love it. It's the kind of game I like. The uh, fifth gen era 3D platformer with a bunch of collectibles. That's that's my bread and butter. Is that because your most informative game experience was Banjo Kazooie? I think yeah, that has a lot to do with it. I, I owe everything to Banjo Kazooie. Made me the person who I am today. So is Spyro Three fun just because you collect, or is there anything uh, neat to it specifically? No, it's it's nice. I mean, it's got like little short and sweet levels in it too. You know, like like there's no big sprawling overworld. It's just like little mini 3D levels within a big hub world. It's nice. I remember the first Spyro was pretty sprawling and confusing. I guess it was. <laughs> it did have a little longer levels, I guess. Okay, I might have to try the later ones then. Yeah, uh, uh, what they did is they have a lot more like side quest portals within the levels, so it's like. Levels within levels within hubs. That's a literary device, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> uh-huh. So, Zan, what have you been up to? Well, I've been playing a lot of different stuff, but I've been playing a lot of Ace Attorney, Trials, and Tribulations. Um, is that a new one, or...? No, no, no it's the third one in the original trailer. Trilogy series. Okay, so you've been replaying it? No, uh, it's my first time playing it actually. Oh, and you call yep. yourself an ace moderator? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Bad. Uh, so, how is it so far? It's fun. It's really good. Like the other games. I'm in the middle of case 3 right now. I so I've never played that game, but do you like it's about murderers or just a wide variety of outlaws? Or... Well, it's they're all murder cases, yeah, and you have to pine to the real killer is. Okay. There's another person, an actual suspect. Well, just one case that's just stealing at first, but that turns into a murder case in the middle. So yeah. So uh, their homicide unit really isn't the best. Uh, doesn't seem like that. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, thanks for sharing. Uh, Fox, what have you been uh, a video game lately? I've been playing what I played last time, Arcanum, and uh, it's opened up a little bit. I think I'm enjoying it more now that I understand how more of the mechanics work. I think the combat is completely broken because it has the option of turn-based and real-time. Oh. And trying to like balance your both of those at the same time really didn't help it. 
is it like a, a switch? Like, oh, I don't like real time. I can just do turn based. Yeah, you, you can. There's an option in the options, and you can like do it while you're fighting. So you just hit space, and it'll turn it to real time or to turn based. That's uh, that kind of reminds me of Fallout Three. Like that? Yeah. I'd say Vats was better implemented than this was. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> so, you said it opened up to you. Is it just the combat? Well, it, it, what, what it is is there's like a huge sprawling branch of skills you can use that uh, that work uh, in-game for like dialogue and town exploring options, and then some that work just for combat. And there are two different sides. There's technology and magic. And I've opened myself up to the technology side, so I've been being able, been able to do things like craft grenades and bash open doors with my fists. That's science? Yep, that's science. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I also finished up Limbo of the Lost. That, was that that terrible point in pick game? <laughs> yes, it was. Oh, no. <laughs> Did you get through it without a guide? No. No, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is a point in book that's not made by Telltale. Personally, I've, well, I've been playing too much. Uh, I got really into Puddle. Puddle's kind of an interesting game where, like, in terms of level design, everything's pretty samey, but you have a different liquid, like, every three levels or so. So your play experience changes up not because of the level design, but because you get entirely different controls. Like, uh, like lava freezes up if you don't bake it in fire, and, uh,. There's a radioactive solution that keeps its momentum a lot more than other liquids. So I've been really digging that. That's the kind of variety I would like. Magical Quest isn't the kind of game you'd typically turn to for a discussion on exploration. There's a shop hidden here, a health extension hidden there, but good old straightforward platforming is the bulk of the game. Let's take a closer look at exploration in a game where it might be easily overlooked. So I could think about exploration, asking people how, like, how much progress they've made in the game and how much exploration has played into it. I think maybe the best way to approach the topic is by the heart containers. The life extensions you get, basically. I shouldn't say heart container, that's a Zelda term. Um, you can find health extensions if you search around each level. And there are also hidden shops, even though they offer kind of stuff I don't really care about. Um, so, <clears throat> have you found any hearts or shops? Why are you a fan 63? Well, I made it to the middle of the third world without realizing either of these were found in any of the levels. So I, I decided I'd just start over and use a guide. I, I took the easy way out. Did you find anything useful in the shops? No. <laughs> no. I did not. Okay. So, Zanria, last I recall, you hadn't found any heart containers. Does that change? Oh, I had pulled it and I haven't pulled any of them yet. Well, no shops either. Or, yeah. Okay. Use them better 
better at finding secret stuff and platform games, so I'm, I'm not sure why I can't find anything this game. Is there another platform game like where you would say you're, you've had a really positive experience finding stuff? Uh, Mario games, I guess? Like, uh, pipes and Find Mario the secret Bros. exits and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Fox, in your playthrough, did you find... I hope you found hearts if you beat it. I found one. You're, you're a little more hardcore than me. I, I really needed hearts to get to the final boss. I, I found it and it was at the very last level where I found it, too. <laughs> and I, I thought I was exploring, but I guess I wasn't doing that good of a job. <laughs> That's pretty funny, though. Just... Find out a game thing like an item exists at the very last level. Yeah. Uh-huh. I did find a shop earlier, but it was full of crap I couldn't afford or didn't want. Yeah, that's that's a weird thing in this game. You can't afford like coins are so hard to come across, and everything's so expensive. Did you have trouble like finding enough coins? I figured they were usually hidden behind the yellow blocks. Uh, so I and mean, once I I just destroy all the blocks I could find, and I'd get some coins, but it. I really wasn't concerned about getting a lot of them because I couldn't find shops that often. Okay. And, uh, Shouty, did you find any hearts or shops? Yeah, I did. I found a good amount of hearts. I think I ended up with, like, seven or eight hearts by the end. Yeah, my first playthrough, I had about seven. I still don't have a good feel for where all of them are. What I found weird was that I saw in one of the shops you could buy a heart container, but then I find another shop in a later level, and I found that you couldn't buy it for some reason. I think it's like each shop corresponds to a different heart container, uh, so if you oh, find it naturally, that's exactly it's a what it is. But it's not like there's one shop per world and one heart container per world, either, right, Mario fans? No, then. Right. Most of the time I just bought ammo extensions from the shops, and health. Can I make a note? Um, sure, but uh, please share with us. <laughs> um, I-, I was playing the, the Game Boy Advance version, and I noticed some seemingly useless items in the shops. I didn't know what purpose they serve. And then it turns out, I, I think what, they're, what they do is the game hooks up to the Mickey Mouse game on the GameCube. So you buy those items, and they, you put them into the GameCube one. That was uh, Mickey's Mirror... Of magic or something? Yeah, Magical Mirror. Okay. Magical Mirror starring Mickey Mouse. Right. The full title. <laughs> I kind of wanted to look at that after I heard it linked up to Magical Quest, but then you described it as an adventure game and I was instantly turned off. Oh. <laughs> so, I guess, uh, did level design influence how you explore, like, uh, Sanrio? Um... When you said you didn't find anything, did you get a certain sense that levels just didn't show you alternate paths? Yeah, I guess. Um, it was very obvious. This, and I, when I played platforms, I tried to look around for secrets and hidden exits and stuff, but I just didn't see anything or find any ways that would lead me there, so, yeah. So, like, uh, World 2-2, do you remember the, uh, swimming through the tree level? Tree level? Yeah. Yeah. This might be a, a little obscure. Tell me if you don't remember. But, uh, near the start of the tree level, you see, like, a 
door on the other side of the tree, but you can't get to it. Do you remember that? Uh, maybe? Do you remember, like, looking for a way to get there, or...? Yeah, I... If I saw something like that, then I assumed I would get to it later on the level. Okay. So, like, it's something you wouldn't have to go out of your way for? Yeah, or I didn't know, so I just went through the rest of the level and possibly looking if there could be any, any secret pets to it or something. So I guess uh, it sounds like what your experience boils down to is that there weren't any, like, there weren't any conspicuous things that stuck out and said, hey, look over here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Fox, how did... It sounded like you found one heart. Um, did you notice anything about the level design when you did that? That was, well, it was just when I saw it barely out of my reach, and I decided I wanted to find out how I could get that. So I spent some time exploring that area until I could get to it. And same, the same goes for when I found the shop the first time I saw it was out of my reach, so I tried to navigate around the level knowing, knowing what I did about the level design to find it. So were the, those the only two times you saw things, like, just out of your reach? The, the things that stick out the most, the other secrets I, I found were usually just following uh, branching paths and trying to find it, seeing where both paths lead, or uh, using a power to get to an out-of-reach area. Okay, so, like, if there was an upper path and a lower path, you would try to walk along both? I'd... Go a little bit on on each path to see if one goes on longer than the other, or if one is a dead end with a secret. Yeah, okay. I, I feel like that's the approach I took, too. Um, but it worked a little better for me, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess it definitely sounds like uh, a big part of exploration is like tantalizing the player and showing them that uh, there is a reason to go out of your way. Shouty, you found a whole bunch of stuff. Was it all stuff you saw just outside of your reach, or was there some other way that the level design uh, led you to it? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I feel like my playthrough was actually pretty linear. I didn't feel like I went off any beaten paths. Hmm. Although one thing that sticks out of my mind is is a heart container that's underwater. Yeah, that's a pretty memorable one, uh, especially because uh, the costume change it requires is mm -hmm. a little uh, unorthodox. So yeah, for the most part, it felt like everything you saw was just like right in front of you? Pretty much. Okay. You are your fan. Uh, I guess you have two different experiences here, one where you didn't see anything and one where you had someone point out things to you. I guess it would be useful to ask. In comparing those two experiences, like, do you see what, like, was there anything you missed the first time? Like, any, uh, any pattern to what you missed the first time around? Like, oh, I never saw things in the top left corner? Yeah, basically. I, I had no idea, like, oh, you could use a flying fruit here, or oh, you could drop down here. Oh, I had no idea. I feel so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the game would provide signs but they were, like, a little too subtle, where they were hard to make out. Right. Like, uh, you gave the example of, I didn't know I could drop down here, because in platformers, dropping down usually means death, right? Right. The underwater heart is kind of like that. 
where you just have to go in the water and then see that it's not just a bottomless pit. In that level, I forget which one it is. I think it's 3-3. Three, three. Um, yes. Yeah, that level does have uh, pools of water that are just bottomless pits that exist there for you to die. <laughs> uh, okay. I feel like you can immediately tell when a pool of water is a bottomless pit, though, because if you're sinking and the screen isn't scrolling with you, you'd better swim back up. Well... That requires going into the water in the first place. Yeah, but you can swim out of it. So part of it. So I'd like to add. Quite, uh, no, go ahead. You can go. You can go. Okay. I like to add that. That's probably why I missed a lot because I tried to avoid the water as much as I could. Oh. Just just hopping around the top. Hmm. So it's like Super Mario World water. Exactly. I thought the hidden heart in World Four Two was particularly devious, though. I don't think I would have. Uh, found that even if I was paying attention to the hidden paths. That that one's terrible. I only saw that when uh when I went and downloaded all the VG maps for Magical Quest. Uh Soup, was there something you wanted to say? Wait. <laughs> what? When Fox when Fox and you were like, which one of us is gonna said soup. Oh. oh no. <laughs> Look, you both have SOU in your name. It was bound to happen eventually. Shouty, was there something you wanted to say? Oh. No. Okay. Supek, I know you're not here, but... Thank you, Sue. Oh. Anyway, uh, I guess actually, uh, Wario fan gave us a good lead in there because, uh, World War II requires some devious use of power-ups. Fox, uh, did the power-ups, like the, the different costumes, did they influence, uh, your exploration tendencies? Generally, I would stick to the costume that was first offered in level, or the first power-up I'd seen in level, I'd stick with that costume and just go with it. So I probably wasn't costume exploring as well as I should have been. Well, there is that to it, but like, did the costume's abilities foster any sense of uh, exploration? I don't think particularly, besides the... Am I allowed to name certain uh, costumes? Yeah. I think nothing really besides the grapple encouraged me to explore different areas. The claw shot. Yes. That's That's fair. It's also worth noting that the fireman... Mickey uh, can push blocks, the, the gray right. blocks, so that allows you to explore a little too. Okay. Oh, so Shouty, did uh, the different costumes uh, encourage you to explore? Yeah, uh, I'd say the magician costume helped me explore underwater. Is it alright if I give away a mechanic from the last level? Yeah, okay. Um, there's a magic carpet you can ride with the magician costume, so. That encouraged me to, you know, try and wield it, even though it was kind of broken. <laughs> I remember that carpet. Uh, magician costume had a lot of weird, random things that... Uh, I guess I just felt like it should have stuck to the Mega Buster. Like, why can magicians breathe underwater? Because they can create air bubbles. Yeah, that's they did that old pen and teller. Yeah, I mean, 
How else do you think David Blaine was able to survive in that orb of water in Lincoln Center? That is a great example. Uh, I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure Matthew Robust starring Mickey Mouse is ripping on David Blaine. <laughs> it sounds like the magician costume was the, like, encouraged the most exploration with you. Or did the other costumes um, play in at all? I mean, what has been said about the grapple and and the fire fighter costume has been said. Okay. Wario fan, but what was your experience with the exploration versus costumes? <clears throat> um, pretty much what Fox said. You know, I got nothing real interesting to add there. Okay. I I took uh, what the level said I should take and only did a few, you know, minor explorations with the grapple guy. Xandria, did you like? You've only seen the uh, magic magician costume, right? Um, yeah, you made a turban thingy. Yeah, turban, Mickey. Yeah. And did he encourage exploration at all? Well, uh, not more or less than regular. But the thing I noticed was that I could only attack Lotto, not pick him up and throw them. So. I guess that changed a bit how I played the levels. How so? Well, um, I couldn't just uh, do a thing where I pick up lots and throw them at enemies. I was used to doing that, so I had to find other ways to avoid them. Or, yeah. I guess it also kind of, uh, because you have ammo, it encourages yeah. you not to interact with blocks. That too. I had to try to save the ammo and not just use every block and enemy I see to save it in case something big is coming up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, the boss fight then of the current level. Wario fan had an interesting experience with 3 1 uh, and oh. ammo. Yeah, what's the one post at the forums? Yeah. Alright, that. <laughs> Getting to the mini boss and then running out of ammo and it turns yeah. out you have a spike that you can attack him any other way. I never knew a true hell until that moment. <laughs> well, uh, to be fair, that level takes place in hell. I know. I know how you feel. I'm stuck to the same thing right now. Yeah, so are you running out of ammo? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm. One tip I would offer is, like, just use normal Mickey until you get to the boss. Okay. Uh, how do you change that between costumes? I... Use the, By um... the way, I don't know how to change. You can use the Left. shoulder buttons and then hit A. Press all the buttons. Shoulder buttons. The shoulder, oh. the owner buttons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll hold that. Okay. Thanks. And that... It does a little animation where Mickey goes into a dressing room. It doesn't matter if he's not even standing on anything, he'll just change anyway. <laughs> what, like I mean, it's coming... magical. Oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> magical dressing room. Starring Mickey Mouse. in the middle of the air. <laughs> Why can't it just float through the inside the room? Well, that's like asking why they don't make the plane out of the black box. <laughs> it's simply not practical. Feasible. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like 
the power-ups had a hierarchy of exploration abilities, where the magician pretty much has none because he can only destroy things. He can't really maneuver himself anywhere. And then Fireman Mickey can push blocks, like the big swamp type things and the small gray blocks. So that encourages a little exploration. And then Hiker Mickey can swing off stuff, can grapple the ledges, and can reach platforms previously unreachable. Uh, What's it called, that last one? Hiker. And he has like a, oh. a grapple that you can use to latch onto platforms. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. The only thing that screws that up is like, they throw in weird things for Aunt Magician Mackey. Magician Mickey, uh, <laughs> where, like, he can breathe underwater so that, like, when you see water, you just pull him out. And, uh, there's the magic carpet that Shouty mentioned. And, uh, those feel like arbitrary additions that the game might be better off without. Um. So you think Mickey should have infinite breath underwater? No, well, I guess, yeah. If you're gonna take out Magician Mickey's ability to breathe, then yeah, he could just breathe forever underwater. Hmm. You know, yeah. I, I actually um, did not get the sense that uh, the uh, air bubble was magician exclusive. I just thought it was doing that for the benefit of that level. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. I didn't even believe that Mickey could drown until I did it myself. You drowned Mickey on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> you horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I didn't mean to do it on purpose. Oh, that's what they so, all said. So it was an accident. Yes, and I'm doing air quotes. Uh accident that uh, that's like <laughs> Yeah, with your ace attorney. With your ace attorney experience, you know what that's like. Yeah. Yeah. Whoops, I asked. Just the wrong thing to present. Accidentally, uh, uh, clicked the wrong person as the real killer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure no one will notice. Magical turnabout. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, unless anyone else has any other thoughts, I guess that's it for uh, exploration on Magical Quest. I would like to add one thing. I feel like the timer was completely unnecessary. Yes. Uh, oh my god, yes. It, I mean, it's partly because it somewhat discouraged exploration, but mostly because they give you an extreme amount of time to do things, and there just doesn't really seem to be a purpose for it. It's weird that there are timers in games that encourage exploration. Like, what? where does that decision come from? Is it? Do you, do you get extra points for finishing with a low time or high time? I think it is a points factor, a scoring factor. So that or it's just a grandfather clause from Mario having Mario games having timers. What if it's a risk versus reward type thing where if you like skip all the hearts, you get a higher score? Hmm. I mean, I don't know who cares about score in Nashville Quest, but it's something. Nobody cares about score. What would Walter Day say right now? <laughs> uh, Billy Mitchell's working on it right now. Get a high score in Magical Quest. <laughs> Monday we'll have Walter Day on this podcast. I hope so. He'll, uh, he'll come on when we're doing 
Pac-Man 2. <laughs> the new adventures? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... There's a lot to think about here. But, if we put everyone's take on Magical Quest together, I think we can get a pretty cohesive picture of it. Magical Quest has two methods for hiding stuff. The first is what you'd expect. It entices you with a clue that something is hidden. For instance, in 2-2, there's a suspicious portion of the tree that will lead you outside to a secret area. At other times, though, Magical Quest will hide things in plain sight. Not on a hidden path, just an alternate one. This happens in 3-3, when a shop is hidden atop a bunch of gray blocks. There's nothing really fishy about the area, and it's just that you can run across the shop if you decide you're going to jump on top of the gray ceiling, uh, rather than travel under it. Without some clue to the secret's location, discoveries can feel arbitrary. If you come across it, it feels weird that you just found a secret, and if you don't find it, well, you're not even aware that you missed something. Sonic the Hedgehog encourages exploration of alternate paths, but that's because you've got to collect 50 rings to enter a special stage. You have to collect a multitude of rings, so it only figures that you'd explore a multitude of paths. You're going to get rings on every one of those paths, so every one of those paths is crucial to your goal. In Magical Quest, though, you don't have a bunch of things to collect. You're either looking for one health extension or one shop at a time. Man, uh, I feel dirty saying that. It's not like I want every game to be Sonic the Hedgehog, I just think it's a useful point of comparison because they both use alternate paths for exploration. They use them differently though, and while I do enjoy wandering around in Magical Quest, I can see where people get tripped up. Heck, I haven't found all the hearts myself. This reading falls in line closest with Fox's experience and my own, but it still provides room for the totally different experiences that Zanrio and Shouty had. Which secret is hidden by a clue, or heck, what even counts as a clue, might be up for debate, since Shouty and Zanrio both felt that secrets weren't signified by clues, but a key part of Wario fans' experience was picking up on clues that he had missed. Anyway, up next we're going to talk about exploration from a different angle. Sean Hogan is one of the designers responsible for Anodyne, and he recently spoke to the Daily Sophist about... the University of Chicago? Shouty mentioned earlier that he was playing Anodyne, an indie game that has kind of an old-school Zelda look to it. So, uh, that came out recently, and Sean Hogan's been talking a lot about it, and uh, he had an interview with The Daily Sophist about exploration, and uh, that seemed pretty relevant to this episode. So I went ahead and, and uh, grabbed the quote, and uh, this, is, this is kind of a long one. So The Daily Sophist asks, uh, which part of the University of Chicago campus feels the most like an adventure game? Uh, some buildings lead into each other, like, with all the logic of a dream. And so Sean's response is that, uh, hmm, I'd say perhaps part of the midway on nice days gives a feeling of exploring a field. As for buildings, I quite like the staircase near the back stacks in the reg. Uh, it absorbs sound really well, and there are no echoes, it's a neat ambience and it's juxtaposed to the book stacks, which are a bit of a labyrinth. 
Others that come to mind are the hospital complex, tunnels beneath Max, or the upper floors of the Harper. Uh, I got lost looking for my advisor the other day. The Cobb Godspeed Classics Harper route has always been a dizzying passage to avoid the Chicago cold. So, uh, that's kind of a lot to take in at once. Uh, but Sean Hogan gives us kind of a, a huge smattering of things which can, which sound like they can ex uh, encourage exploration. So, WarioFan63, the first thing he says is that parts of the Midway on nice days give the, give the feeling of exploring a field. When you encounter a field in video games, um, does that evoke a sense of exploration? Well, like what, in a, in a 3D game or a 2D game? Well, I guess uh, what would be the difference? Well, I I figure a 3D field would be, you know, big and vast and stuff, you know. It, yeah, I'd say it would encourage exploration. But a 2D one? No, probably not. There's, you know, point A to point B. So, probably not a whole lot of exploration going on. So, it sounds like the third dimension encourages exploration because you get a whole lot more options. Yeah, I'd say that. Okay. And you would know about the third dimension? Absolutely. I'm an expert. <laughs> I was um, born in the third dimension. You know, that's a good point. I never thought of it like that. Sanrio, the next thing he, he mentions is that uh, there's a staircase, and you know the staircase absorbs the sound really well, uh, and it's juxtaposed to the book stacks, which are a bit of a labyrinth. So I guess in video games, how much are you encouraged to explore because something has like an intriguing atmosphere to it, like a like something you want to see? Yeah. Um. Well, sometimes in games, on I notice this. Say this thing that stands off, like there's a hint to go to open or try something. So I try that and find secrets. That's Like I guess one one game that I have in mind is uh, Metroid Prime. Just the atmosphere itself, uh, like you want to see more of it, uh, regardless of how that happens. Um, not so much the promise of finding something meaningful, but just seeing something. Oh, so if the game makes you want to see more of the game. Yeah, have you ever had that experience? That's kind of the point of games, getting through the games and seeing more of the game. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, actually, I have a good point there. Uh, I haven't thought of it like that. Okay. Fox, the final thing he mentions is that uh, there's this route that's a dizzying passage to avoid the Chicago cold. How much are you encouraged to explore in games? Because of like positive con consequences, like uh, like in Magical Quest, uh, if you explored, you got hearts. Does that figure into exploration for you? Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a big reason to explore if you find that the that there's a reward for exploring aside from seeing a neat thing. Uh, especially in in Mickey, where you get a the reward of getting an extra heart, which is great for if you're bad at getting hit. Um, <laughs> I think that's the, the, definitely the go-to reason to to have someone explore your levels, and really, I think I think it's something you've got to have if you intend on having in, in, intend on leading the 
player to explore your levels. You're going to have to have some kind of positive reward. So uh, exploration for exploration's sake maybe doesn't work? Uh, I'd say it works, but it's not often a good enough reason for itself. It won't be enough to entice a player to engage. Right. Okay. Did anyone else have any thoughts on that, uh, that quote? Um, yeah, I, the reason I explore is to type things, of course. So, if you don't get any rewards, there's not much point to it. So, for you personally, it's important that there are, like, tangible rewards? Yeah, there should be. Well, exploring and so can, can be fun too, but... I, I like finding secrets, collectibles, upgrades, that kind of stuff. Secret pets, levels. And uh, are there ever any games where you explore and you find upgrades and you appreciate them, like even though you didn't need them, or is it always like you only appreciate upgrades that you have a practical use for? Well, I I like just collecting stuff and finding everything, so. Even if it might not be useful, I, I just like having it and finding it. Okay. Let's see, uh... So overall, uh, overall, this guy seems to be applying real-world architecture to level design. Yeah. Is that what it is? Um, I don't know how much it influenced Anodyne directly, but... Uh, oh. He has... There are certain features from which he drew inspiration... But it sounds a little more indirect than that. Oh, uh, so it's more of a subconscious effort on his part when he was designing the levels. That's the impression I got. Yeah, but I think I... it might. Uh, go ahead. Oh, uh, I was. Is he saying I should design a house exactly like uh, the blueprint of Symphony of the Night? Well, uh, I think no one would argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just skinny on the front, but everything else is wide. Well, you also don't have a fourth wall. I guess it's worth noting that uh, even though the University of Chicago like has things that are neat about it, um, everything serves a practical purpose. Which I, guess... well, I think that you have to exercise some level of practicality when you're designing levels in video games. Right. But uh, maybe a little less than you would as a building planner. Well, yeah, because usually in video games... Your playable character might have super strength, uh, or just not do things a normal human would. Don't don't make a human jump up a flight of stairs. Yes. <laughs> uh, or wait for platforms to come by. I would I would do that. Uh, can you imagine if like uh, instead of an elevator, you had to use the weight platforms from Mario One? So like if you wanted to go up, somewhat two people had to get on the other one for you to go up. <laughs> Or you and just have to time the jumps. And then if you wait long, they just fell off. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> Oops, I just killed the people on the other side. <laughs> uh, it happens. <laughs> I guess it's worth noting that you gotta think about different purposes where uh, the point of a video game level is that you notice it and interact with it and, uh, get a feel for it, whereas, you know, if you're building a house for someone, your goal is for them ne never to notice or have to think about it. Mm. So you just want to make them feel as comfortable as possible. 
Right. Which is, uh, what Animal Crossing is about, but that's about it. Oh, yeah. That's it for this week. Uh, we all had a good time exploring the topic of exploration. Uh, WarriorFan63, any final words? Well, I think uh, Sean Hogan's quote was very inspiring, and I think I'll go to University of Chicago one day and see if I can 100% complete that. <laughs> I think that might be the Super Metroid sequel I've been waiting for. Are you going to do the Upside Down University of Chicago? I'm going to sure as hell try. <laughs> Zanrio, uh, final words? Save ammo for the big pots. Oh, yes, that's actually very important, yeah. Uh, I, I'm gonna have to spoil this for you. Um, ammo is, like, ultra important for the fifth boss. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Fox, any, uh, final words? I think I'm going to try going through Mickey again to see what all I missed, and how deep the exploration actually is. Magical Quest is a game that's worth replaying, at least once, I think. There's more in each stage than you can notice on a single playthrough, which is really nice. I, I like the longevity that comes from replaying, rather than you know, sheer game length. Uh, Shouty, any uh, final words? Hmm. I think that the idea of architecture being used to inspire level design should be explored more. So uh, maybe next week we'll have to come back with our favorite buildings and how they encourage us to explore. Perhaps. All right. We can talk about that. Time and field trip. Oh yeah. <laughs> can we can we do ghost adventures? I I never <laughs> believed in action adventure buildings until I became face to face with them. <laughs> and did you want to fight it? Boy. <laughs> yes. Alright, well, from the Commune Podcast, uh, this is Commune Podcast episode 4. Have a good day, everybody, and goodbye. Bye. 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 See ya. All music on this podcast was from Magical Quest, starring Mickey Mouse. I'll leave you on this final thought. One thing that makes Magical Quest's exploration interesting is its very genre. Platformers are able to make multiple paths compelling because choosing one can be a matter of skill. Platformers can separate paths using gravity itself. Certainly, other genres can separate paths based on player skill. But it just seems so darned easy in platformers. Well. That's it for me.